Welcome back to The Wise Man's Page, the podcast where we read Patrick Rothfuss's The Wise Man's Fear page by page. This is page 343. Beneath the Lovely Lies You believe you have the right to these things, but you don't. He looked hard at the scribe. When someone tells you a piece of their life, they're giving you a gift, not granting you your due. Quoth wiped his hands on clean linen cloth. I'm giving you my story with all the grubby truths intact, all my mistakes and idiocies laid out naked in the light. If I decide to pass over some small piece because it bores me, I'm well within my rights. I won't be goaded into changing my mind by some farmer's tale. I'm not an idiot. Chronicler looked down at his soup. It was a little heavy-handed, wasn't it? It was, Quoth said. Chronicler looked up with a sigh and gave a small embarrassed smile. Well, you can't blame me for trying. I can, actually, Quoth said. But I believe I've made my point, and for what it's worth, I'm sorry for any trouble that might cause you. He gestured to the door at the departed farmers. I might have overreacted a bit. I've never responded well to manipulation. Quoth stepped out from behind the bar, heading to the table nearest the hearth. Come on now, both of you. The trial itself was tedious business, but it had important repercussions. And that's the page. I'm Nick. I'm Jordana. I'm Jeremy. Is it the table nearest the hearth or the table near the hearth? It's the table near the hearth. I read that wrong. Oh. Sorry. Okay. My I'm bad. Sorry. Don't get all excited. Also, but... also, also, t- we didn't talk about this last page, but we totally should have. He's Quoth again. Oh, yeah. He finished telling this story and suddenly became Quoth again. Yeah, well, once they leave, once once Cobb and Jake and Graham leave, he's Quoth. He's immediately Quoth again. The door bangs closed. Chronicler says something, and then he's Quoth. But is it is he Quoth because they left, or is he Quoth because he told a story, or is it both? I think he's Quoth because they left. Okay, I think it's both. He doesn't have to pretend not to be Quoth anymore. But I think you're onto something, Jordana. You know, he did a bit of like clever Quothiness, Quothiness, Quothiness. <laughs> um, I had actually forgotten that this whole thing started because Chronicler tried to tease out the story by getting the uh, the Rubes to tell their Rube version of the of the trial, and that's why Quoth responded that way. He's he's responding to being manipulated. And I also can't help but wonder if this is another bit of Quothiness where Quoth acts before thinking about uh, repercussions. And he even says on this page, I'm sorry for any trouble this might cause you. How fun would this be if at the end of the third book, Chronicler like leaves, you know, stretches. And then in the next town, he introduces himself as the Chronicler and somebody knifes him for his paper sword. That would rule, actually. That would be awesome. <laughs> I mean, I don't want Chronicler to get knifed because of a paper sword that doesn't exist. That's not nice. Then maybe Quoth should have thought about it before doing it. <laughs> well, and like, the, like the irony that like he spent three books trying to get Quoth's story out of him, and then no one will ever read it because he got knifed. And they probably rummaged through his goods and like burned the book or something. That said, Chronicler doesn't have use for the story if he's dead, and technically, the the real use of the story should Chronicler die is to get Quoth 
out of being Coat. So even if Chronicler were to be murdered, the storytelling would not be for naught. Like, even though the actual written version will be lost. Because the purpose of telling it was not only so that, like, for Chronicler, the purpose of Quoth telling it is so he can have this record and he wants it. But for Quoth, it's sort of twofold, especially because Bath sh- Bast shares one of those wants, like the, the want that I feel like Foth doesn't even know he wants because the telling the story makes him more who he is. And that's what Bast wants. And I assume kind of what Foth is also like subconsciously wanting because it will make him happy. Uh, so like the story won't be shared, but it doesn't need to be shared to be useful. Exactly. Bast doesn't care if the story is shared. I wouldn't be surprised if Bast get what gets what he wants. He then like lets you know, Quoth and Chronicler wave goodbye, and Bast kills him once he's out of sight because he doesn't want the story to get out. But like, if Bast gets what he wants and gets Quoth back, he doesn't care what happens to the story. I'm not saying I think that's what's going to happen, but I like that's in character with Bast, and I really don't think Bast has any interest in in what Chronicler does after this. Interesting to me that you think that Quoth subconsciously like wants to go back to who well, he was does, before. Like, doesn't everyone want to be happy? And wouldn't that make him happy? I think both of those two questions are open to debate, especially when it comes to Quoth. I don't agree with your reasoning, Jordana, but I do think he subconsciously wants to go back now that he has a taste of it, of what, what it felt like to be Quoth again. And I think that's what Bast is after. Uh, I think it depends where in the story you ask that question. At this time, I do think he subconsciously wants to go back, whereas at the beginning, I don't think he did. So we have gotten off on quite the tangent from what's actually on the page. So if I can just, if I can just reel us back in for a, a moment, that's my job. I just want to, uh, I just want to lay the blame squarely on Jordana for this hey. tangent. It's true. That was a Jordana special. You know what? That was a Jordana special tangent, but it was about the book. <laughs> I can't. Jordana, we are pro-tangent on this podcast. You've taken your first step into a larger world. Sine and cosine. I just want to draw attention to what Quoth actually tells Chronicler is why he did what he did. When someone gives you a piece of their life, they're giving you a gift, not granting you their due. He's saying, like, don't feel like you're entitled to my story. You like This is a privilege, not a right. I can revoke it at any time. And as punishment for your effrontery... I'm going to give you a little taste of what it's like to be me and have all these untruths going around all the time. It doesn't bother me anymore because I'm used to it. Like it bothers me, but like I can't do anything about it. That's why I didn't rise to the bait of your manipulation. But now you're going to know a little bit of what that's like. I think that this is sort of like, this is very much to do with Kronkler and Quoth, but at the same time, I feel like this situation could happen like between colleagues or friends in in the real world. Like I think it is very reasonable to assume that two people talking to each other, one might ask about the other's life and pry a lot. Like somewhere maybe maybe they shouldn't. And like I think that this is kind of a good uh reflect reflection of that. Yeah. I mean the thing that it makes me think of is like journalism. A lot of people do not like journalists for the reason that a lot of the time what passes for journalism is actually just muckraking where people dig up the intimate secrets of someone's life and then publish it in a newspaper for everyone to read about. And that's not always something that people look on kindly. Reasonable. 
I have uh, only my final note. Why don't you get to it? All right. It is the end of a chapter. And this chapter was called Interlude the Hempen Verse, referring to the verse that Foth was said to have spoken at the trial. And I guess that just generally refers to all of all of this that has occurred because Quoth didn't want to talk about the trial. Yeah, I wonder if that is if the idea of the hempen verse has any basis in truth at all, or if it's just something that Cobb made up. Uh, listeners, I turn to you if there is any story or historical origin for this hempen verse idea in your orbit. We'd like to hear about it. So there's a couple of levels of reality here because it could be real in the real world. It could be real in the frame narrative or it could be entirely fake and Cobb made it up. If you die in the hempen verse, you die in real life. Oh man. I don't like that. Yeah, the the hempen verse is the alternate universe where Snoop Dogg is God. This is a letter <laughs> from Taylor who writes on The Sleeping Mind, page 317, Hashtag team no hidden ring. Taylor writes, I love you all. Jeremy, don't stop with the bristly hedgehog routine. I relate so much with the devil's advocate method in most things, but Eladin gave Fella a rock. She named a ring from it. This is the way. It follows other naming conventions shown, i.e. when Quoth speaks breath to save Denna from her asthma, and conceivably when Ben does something similar, catching Quoth from his lung to sky air binding. While simple naming can just be breaking a wall, it's more likely the wall of rock is asked to be sand in Haven. Also, the slap to the head makes sense, as it's with the sleeping mind that one does naming. The sleeping mind is distracted and thwarted by rhetoric and logic, and is more easily accessed from pain as gut reactions take hold better then. We see this when Quoth wrecks Ambroth with the name of the wind, when Eldin slaps Ol Fella, and I'd argue... Also, when Quoth learns to play feelings and states when he is in the woods after his parents' murder, I see that more and more as a sort of naming on each reread. Just thought I'd add my two cents with some context. Keep up with the battles of banter, your friend, Taylor. Thank you for writing, Taylor. Always a pleasure. Yeah, for sure. This is one where I am perfectly willing to uh, say that I have come around to my co-host's position and your position that she created the ring from pure nothing. I'm pretty sure I came around to that position on the air in that episode, but I'm happy to state for the record. She made it out of nothing. She made it out of the rock that she was given. Yeah, whatever. You know what I mean. (laughs) I really appreciate you reiterating the theory that rhetoric and logic is the enemy of naming uh, and that it being made front and center in the university, especially at the end of this book when Hem assumes the chancellorship is the death knell of uh, naming at the university. I think that's really interesting. And maybe also, A, why Ben gave him a book on rhetoric and logic, and B, why Quoth has never read it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. 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 Jordana? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Well, we'll uh-huh tomorrow on another page. Of? The? Wind. wind. Uh-huh.